0: Welcome to Untamed Intimacy, the show that helps you get to the core of what creates safety, love, connection, passion, and pleasure in your relationship.
1: You'll learn how to resolve conflict, communicate authentically, and rekindle passion.
0: So you can create Untamed Intimacy in your relationship.
1: I'm Ani Manian.
0: And I'm Lee Noto.
1: We're the founders of Untamed Intimacy.
0: And together we serve couples all around the world to help them create the wildest love they have ever known.
1: We believe that our relationships are the most powerful vehicles for growth and our partners are our greatest teachers.
0: If you're ready to create untamed intimacy in your relationship, then this is the podcast for you.
1: And if you haven't subscribed yet, go ahead and do that. And you'll be notified as soon as we drop a juicy episode.
0: And if you really love and receive value from this podcast, we'd like to ask two things. Please leave a five-star review and consider connecting with us on Instagram at untamed underscore intimacy and take a screenshot of your favorite episodes and share them in your stories so others can find this content too. And if you'd like to be coached live on air or have any questions that you'd like answered on the show, visit us at untamedintimacylive.com.
1: We can't wait to hear
2: from you.
0: Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Untamed Intimacy. Ani and I are super excited for a very spicy, honest, potentially messy, always real conversation with two amazing souls, Chris and John. Um, I want to give them a quick intro and tell you why we're having two people on the podcast today because. You have already heard from someone whom they are both very close with on this podcast already. So let's intro these two beautiful humans, John Jonathan Encarnacion. I like to say it with a little spice there. I know you like it. Thank you. (laughs) He's a creator. He is a photographer and he creates honest, powerful, raw imagery for families and folks in love. He's also co-host of the hella married podcast which is amazing I recommend you check it out and Chris is get this the inventor of the hashtag and product designer he's fascinated by human language connection and the role that technology plays in human life he's also a coffee and cocktail enthusiast which if you can see behind us for those of you watching he has a whole wall of beautiful bottles on his shelf right now <laughs> And here's why we're having both of them on the podcast at the same time. Not only because they are both amazing people and dear friends, but they also share a partner, Joe Encarnacion, who I had on the podcast just a couple weeks ago. You may know her by on Instagram at GoFitJoe. Enthusiast, um, not enthusiast, she's a women's coach and advocate. An she's an enthusiast of life, though, I will say that. Um, another amazing soul. So, we're going to be having a conversation about their polyamorous relationship today. Welcome to the show, you two. Thank,
3: Thank you. you. Jinx. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I feel like this is just going to be a back and forth banter for like 60 well, minutes. Jinx,
2: now he has to say all the yeah. things. All right, one,
0: one, one, one. <laughs> so let's hop right into the deep stuff. Um, what was the genesis of this polyamorous relationship? Like, How did this even come to be?
3: <laughs> go ahead you can start it's like uh, i don't want to speak on behalf of joanne
0: <laughs> no well,
2: well why don't you uh maybe start it off from your experience in terms of like
3: how this all got initially. um okay so well joanne and i well it's interesting just saying joanne uh-huh. and you refer to her as joe and then lee also refers to her as joe so i feel like i'm the only one that this is part of like your legacy though so i think like if you start with <laughs> The, the the length of your marriage right the vintage
2: okay so to speak and where you guys were at okay uh and then what the transition happened maybe two years ago okay um that kind of thank suddenly you. thank rocked you, your world thank you for the prompt
3: <laughs> i really appreciate it i'm supporting you <laughs> so so joanne and i we were together for um we've been together for 18 years we've married for 12 now um and to kind of i guess just really sum things up you know we got together at a very young age. Um, She actually helped throw my 21st birthday. And we kind of did like the entire relationship escalator thing um, without ever having a discussion about where our relationship was going. We never had really had any real conversations about marriage. Um, We had our first daughter, Iris, who's now 16, um, back in 2004. And after having her well, it was kinda after that, you know, we should probably just get married because we're Filipino Americans who were raised by very traditional Catholic parents. And uh, that was like the next step for us. Um, And uh, like a lot of uh, relationships, um, I think there was Things started getting like really monotonous in our relationship. Um, and a couple of years ago, it was Joan and I were laying in bed and I had asked her one evening, what's one thing that you've never told me in the 16 years that we've been together? And she said, I don't think I believe in monogamy. And that was kind of like, huh. Like, Uh, I wasn't expecting that one. I I wasn't expecting that one. Um, So after, after having her express this to me, um, you know, obviously we had a lot of history. I wasn't ready to just be like, you know what, what the fuck, you know, you don't believe in monogamy was everything like a lie between us, you know, and uh, I started to do some research and tried to figure out what other different options there were for like different relationship structures, which is when I came across um, ethical non-monogamy and polyamory. Um, So that was my way of doing research and Joanne's way of doing research was I have this, this old client of mine who (laughs) Chris raises his hand um, who practices, non-monogamy and polyamory. So I am going to reach out to him and I guess I can just, just like shift the conversation over here.
2: Um. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so it's true. So um, I had actually hired Joe, John's wife, uh, to be um, my kind of nutritionist slash like health coach um, and to work with me to basically like get me into a state where I was like feeling more fit in myself. And the, I don't know if I want to say like the grand irony or the, also not a premonition, but sort of the thing that led to this whole situation emerging, which I find so fascinating. And I was in a very different relationship at that time when I first uh, actually met Joe through an ad on Instagram, which was a photo of the two of you for uh Sonder, for Sonder, which is like an or I'm sorry, an apartment rental service that's similar to Airbnb. And I just, I don't know, there was like something about the way that they were in the space and the lighting and the photo and just how they work together. And I was like, not feeling that way in my relationship. And I was like, well, that looks like a very healthy person in a very healthy relationship. And that is what I want. And I need to reform myself to get into a state where I can actually have that kind of relationship. And so she and I started working together for... I don't know if it was six or eight months or a year, something like that. Um, you know, just as, as she was really like coaching me, and that engagement ended, and there was some period of, of of quiet time where like we weren't actually in touch. And then she reached out to me again, and we like you know met up just to kind of like sync up again to see where we were. You know, how was life going? Like, how was all the coaching stuff that like we worked on and working out? And I think that's when she started to talk to me about you know, these questions that were now coming up, like in her marriage and where she was at. And given that I had experimented with and tried different forms of relationships, not always successfully, uh, she wanted to sort of like understand like what was involved in that. And that was the the sort of seed of that conversation.
3: I think that's interesting how you're like, I saw this picture and like, this is like a healthy relationship, what I'm seeing. Mm-hmm. And like, that's like the perception, uh-huh. but like, when, when it was good, it was really good, but like it wasn't well. So, like,
2: a healthy relationship. She and I have, and, and it might be useful like if we find that photo to share just so you guys like, you know, have a sense for what that looks like. But um, obviously since that point, she and I have at least talked about that photo and the story behind the photo mm-hmm. and like the reality of what was going on. And of course it's so true, I think for many, many people um, that there is the sort of Instagram life that you project and then there's the life that's going on behind mm-hmm. the scenes and I, I also, um, in, in the past, was part of that, was part of um, constructing an identity or a persona of a relationship that didn't really exist, which was the aspirational relationship, where other people would be like, hashtag couple goals. Relationship goals. Oh, relationship goals. And, and you're like, if you only knew like, what was really going on, um, you might want to change your goals. So I think re- like regardless, well, not regardless of the story behind the photo, I think the thing that's come out since then and that has been so interesting, was for me to i guess come into this conversation with her with the assumption that things were great, and as a coach, you sort of assume that well the coach has got their life totally figured out, and it turns out no coaches are just sort of like they have a bunch of frameworks and tools for like failing in a way that allows them to like stumble as opposed to face plant all the time mm-hmm. um and I think it's been a really interesting process and dynamic, I think for the three of us to go through this evolution in our, ourselves and in the relationship in the last two years um, and in some ways to pull out some of the tools that was there were there but then also to recognize complete gaps in our ability to, to understand to have conversations, to know ourselves. So that journey I think is one of the most I think interesting things and I guess just to, to bring it back, the thing that I am very happy about, I think is that the transformation that happened in myself that caused me to behave differently at the beginning of our relationship, My relationship with joe and then eventually my relationship with john um, caused me to behave in very different ways than i had in the past and you know so i'm just i I guess i'm like happy you know where we're at now um but yeah it's taken a lot of work and if you know you see the photos now the three of us looking great uh i think actually we do have like a really healthy like dynamic and relationship uh it's not like perfect all the time and we've definitely stumbled but again there's been only a few face plants and i think it's a matter of like helping each other up when that happens, which is, I think, just a very different dynamic in general.
0: Hell yeah! Wow, thank you for sharing that. I think you guys should contact Sondra again and send them a picture of the three of you, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so yeah. that they can post that now.
1: That'd be for the three bedroom apartment. <laughs> the three. Bed- <laughs> yeah. So right.
0: I, I just want to clarify for everyone um, what the re- what the relationship construct is. So you are both partners to Joe. You are not romantic partners with each other.
2: No. Nope.
0: You are good friends, though.
3: Yes, yes. The swords never cross.
0: Okay, the swords no no <laughs> crossing streams. No, no,
3: okay. or nor Maybe that. No. Yeah, none of unless we're, unless we're trying to capture ghosts in Ghostbusters. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Sorry, I have a thing for movie references.
2: they are welcome here. <laughs> it's, 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 All one of you is very welcome. like solid skills, but yes, yes. In real life, the swords never cross. The streams never cross.
0: <laughs> yeah. Got you. Okay. Yes,
2: we we are we are platonic bro buddies. Um, whereas. We are more intimate romantic buddies,
3: <laughs> Joe. Yeah.
0: Nice. Okay. So I'm, I'm so curious now. I, y- you say that you have, it's been a journey for you all to get to the place where you're at now, where there is a healthy dynamic, you're face planting less, you're all willing to have the messy conversations and be on this journey together. I imagine, but correct me if I'm wrong, that it wasn't always like that. I imagine that maybe you two didn't start off as bro buddies. Where, what was that like in the beginning and how have you gotten to where you are now? Like, if you could sum that up, I'm sure there's a lot of uh, context there.
3: So I, you know, it's interesting because on our first meeting, we like actually hit it off really well. And I think for me, that was like one of the conditions for Joanne, like when when it came to exploring um, herself and relationships outside of our relationship, that you know she expressed to me that she didn't want to just like go around and like just fuck whoever and just like go on like this like sex rampage and just like destroy cities by having <laughs> sex with everyone you know she's really thinking of rampage you know she wanted to have these like deep and meaningful connections with people and for me my condition was well if, if that's the case i i want to know who this person is You know, and for some people it's different. Some people have like, don't ask, don't tell policies and rules, Mm -hmm. policies.
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah, basically.
3: (laughs) Um, And for me, that that just didn't work for me. I I, I needed to know this person. I needed to know that I could trust them. I needed to know that um, they considered me and like my relationship with her and also my kids, you know, because that what, what her and I have built over the course of 16 years at the time, that was a lot. And uh, yeah, it was interesting because when we met Chris, when I met Chris for the first time, we met at a bar in uh, the dog patch in San Francisco. And it was interesting because the one who was the most uncomfortable in that situation was Joanne.
2: Mm -hmm. I mean, I think it's, also worth pointing out, and you guys have talked about this on the hell and married podcast, Mm -hmm. uh, is that the, the way in which Joe and I started our relationship wasn't uh, there, there were things that I would probably do differently. I would definitely do differently. Um, But it's always difficult when you're starting a new relationship, especially in a non-monogamous context. And by that, I mean, you know, you're, you're married for any number of years and one partner, usually it's one partner decides that they want to, you know, open up the relationship to explore other types of connections. And that process is a very challenging like thing to do, like one to be the initiator because then, you know, your partner is like, well, what the fuck is going on? Like what's mm-hmm. wrong? And I don't mean to speak to you, but just in general. Uh, and then there's always a question of, well, what is going to be the first step and what does that look like? You know, is it like going on a date? that's just like platonic or is it like, all right, like, you know, rip the band-aid off, you know, go fuck whoever you want and have a good time. Mm-hmm. And Uh, I think in our case, Joe and I did jump the gun uh, before you guys had like a specific set of agreements or boundaries Mm -hmm. like in place. Um, And that was certainly something that I felt uh, that was that that was outside of my integrity, I would say. But it was. i don't know i can't i'm not like there's no explanation for it it's just we acted impulsively um and we slept together before you guys were at a point where you were like okay this is like okay yeah um and so i think that's important context to understand like when he and i met together for the first time that's well one what i was walking into and second like you know that he was walking into and it's like here's this guy who is effectively and certainly i think it would be reasonable to think of it this way like you know disrespected like the the, the integrity of our relationship and what the fuck. Uh, and that isn't exactly what happened.
3: Right. I mean, cause in, in doing my research of polyamory, all I kept on reading about was like open and honest communication. And then for Joanne to just be like, Oh, you know, sorry, I kind of moved ahead and moved quickly. It was like, well, yeah. Like Chris said, like, what the fuck? Like I was, we were supposed to be open and honest about things. Right. Um, but yeah, I, Joanne and I had like one really healing evening, um, in Mendocino. And then like on the way back, I was like, gotta meet this guy.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So, so what was the, what was that path from what the fuck to, I want to meet this guy? Hmm. What was that journey like for you? Oh God.
3: And now I'm like having to think back to like that, that seven days, Mm -hmm. because it was Mm -hmm. seven days from when I found out to actually meeting him. Um, it was, it was a rough, it was a really rough ride because I remember getting out of town for like two to three days, going to Nevada to see a friend. And just in that entire time, I was like really torn between just like throwing everything away or just like opening myself up and, uh, and writing something new versus what like society or what like media and culture pictures a couple should do after something like that. Hmm. And, uh, I kept on thinking back to me expressing to Joanne, like, if we're going to explore this, I'm going to need to know who this is. Um, And also at the same time, you know, I... If if there was going to be anyone that she was going to explore this with, I'd probably be most willing if it was Chris because they already kind of had, like, this trust built and this connection. He already kind of knew... Um, my situation, our Joanne, my situation. He knew the girls, um, not personally, not yet of them, but he knew of them. Mm-hmm. Um, so just with that knowledge, like I knew that, although not in that moment, I knew I was being considered.
2: What did you? I mean, have a picture or idea about how you thought this? I guess at the time exploration that mm-hmm. Joe was going through, like how that would actually turn out and what that would look like for both of you? No. No.
3: <laughs> no. <laughs> Which is why sometimes when <coughs> we'd go to like our therapy sessions. Right, right, right. And Nisi would be like, that's some like Dan Savage shit. <laughs> and I'm like, who's Dan Savage? <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs>
2: yeah, he might have helped along the way. but right. yeah, uh, Yeah, well, because I think part of it was, you know, Joe tends to be uh, a bit of a... I don't know how to put this. Like, I feel like, like an icebreaker in the sense of like an actual vessel that goes through and breaks up like icebergs, Mm. you know, where she just kind of plows ahead and does her thing. And then (laughs) sort of like stops and looks around and like, you know, I like, oh shit. Like there's all this like collateral (laughs) consequence. Um, Yeah. And in a way, you know, certainly we were part of that icebreaking, you know, action, I, I suppose like her and I, but then for you, it's like, well, okay. Like just go figure it out. And like, I'll sort of be around to support it or something. Yeah. Um, which, which like makes it very hard to know kind of, I think just, I don't know, I'm thinking about like your perspective, like where, where is this going? What's it going to lead to? Yeah. Right. Because you're not saying I want this transformed thing. Yeah. But you're like, okay, I can see that we're at a point now mm-hmm. where there's a transformation that's about to happen. Right. And then you guys had like your Mendocino night where it was like, well, let's come back together and like, let's create it. I think what, it was so beautiful. Like what you guys were doing was uh, attempting to create a new container. Yeah. You're like okay, so we had like you know this marriage, which we've had for so long, which contained us as we were mm-hmm. and as we've been, and clearly, there's been this rift, and yeah. either everything just bleeds out or we construct a new container maybe that's more flexible that allows us to grow into that new space mm-hmm. and I guess I don't know just I think it's like interesting to because like when I imagine you. You're such a visual, like photographic kind of constructor of uh, mm-hmm. imagery, you know, it shows up in your photography, but also I think just how you envision things and stories. And so the fact that like, this is this big unknown.
3: Yeah. I don't think I had like a vision of what it was going to be like, because there was nothing modeled for me. Sure. Like mm. what was modeled for me was a monogamous relationship. Right. And sadly, you know, I don't think my parents are ever going to listen to this, but, mm. like, mm. you know to find out that like I, I, I based my relationship structure off of what I saw from my parents. And, and then like, I come to find out that there's like after so many years that my parents, I'm I've, I've like, Oh, they have this like per- picture perfect relationship. They raised four kids. You know, I come to find out there, that there's an infidelity and like, I was like one of the last to know. Mm. And this was like literally the day like Three days after i found out from joanne that she jumped the gun with chris
0: damn
3: and it was kind of it was kind of sad because when my mom told me my dad was there and like all i could see was like resentment like in his character or my or shame in his character and then resentment for my mom and i was like thinking to myself like i don't want that you know i don't want to be like in this like drawn out Relationship of a marriage that where success is based on the number of years that you are together, only to, only to find out that it's just. I mean, it's not that the relationship was a lie, but like that was that that was the container that was built for me.
2: For well, yeah. There and their coping mechanism for that story in their own life, you know, probably they probably came to a similar decision point. Yeah. Where it's like, <clears throat> do we take this infidelity that's happened and? Destroy like the family construct, mm-hmm. or do we sweep it under the rug as though it was just like a mistake? Yeah, and then there's no like healing from that, and there's no way of understanding what it was that was being sought. Right, and so yeah, I, yeah, I mean, I, like I think it's I, mean, I don't know, that's just such an interesting um, serendipitous thing to learn like right yeah. in that moment. Yeah, yeah, and
1: you know this really exemplifies how society portrays this very black and white image of, of relationships, right? Success or failure, marriage or divorce, staying Mm -hmm. together indefinitely or splitting up and having this, you know, whole rift, this whole rupture. John, I want to go back to you because that's a lot to experience in a very short amount of time. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't just the values or belief systems or conditioning that you were handed down from your parents or your lineage. But you know, those things appear to us as our own beliefs. Because when we're inside them, they don't appear as beliefs that were conditioned by other people. It just it appears like this is what I believe. You know, this is 16 years I've had this container, which has been a monogamous container with kids building this life. And I would argue that it takes a special kind of human being to respond, not react. And maybe there was a little bit of reaction, which is totally healthy, but to respond to this change in the dynamic, this respond to this new information that's available in such a measured and thoughtful and reflective and considerate way. So my question to you is, what were some of the things you you had to navigate within yourself? What were some of those challenges, either difficult emotions, like things you had to confront within yourself to be able to respond in this way, to go in a week from, wow, this indiscretion took place, you know, in the reality that you'd constructed, that you believed in. And you went from that to, okay, like, I want to meet this guy.
3: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I went through, I went through, I think, all the different ranges of emotions. Um, I think uh, there was, obviously, when she expressed to me about, like, not believing in monogamy, there was, like, some curiosity. Um, there was a lot of, there was a lot of fear, you know what 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 would this mean for you and me what would this mean for our family um obviously a lot of anger when i found out that you know that she moved forward very quickly as chris and i both know Joanne to like be um <clears throat> i one of the most i guess one of the most powerful things and i, I think about this one specific moment where Joanne and I were like laying in bed and, uh, she was, and, and I, and, and, I'm, I'm kind of foggy as like the timeline because it was only until Joanne and I recorded for our podcast that I was actually to put a timeline on things. And it was like, Holy shit, this shit only this, this like happened in seven days. That was actually really, really fast. Um, but just bringing it back to where I was going with it, you know, I think one of the biggest things that, like, got me through this was love. Mm-hmm. And I know that might say, like, that might sound like very cliche and whatnot. But I remember telling Joanne one day, we were, like, laying in bed together. And uh, I think you, I think she was, like, telling me, like, you know, if you want me to, like, leave Chris, I can leave Chris. You know, I don't need to be with him. And, like, I think this is, like, after she started falling in love with you. And I was like, and I remember telling her that it wasn't, that it's not inherently wrong for anyone to fall in love, you know, because it's like, and I know as humans, like, that's like what we all crave is to like be loved. And for me, like, who is it? Who am I to be the one to tell her who she can and can't fall in love with? You know, that's like, that's, That's not my place. It's not my place to tell anyone who they can fall in and out of love with, whether or not it's Joanne or someone else I was, I'm in a relationship with, or even Chris, I'm not going to be like, you know, you can't fall in love with this person because I mean, love, love is love. Right. Um, And I think that was like one of the the biggest things that helped me get through Mm -hmm. if we're talking specifics of the seven days was probably love that helped me get through it the most.
1: Oh, that's beautiful. Now, you mentioned that in this process, your definition for what a healthy relationship is, or if there even is such a thing, what the ideal utopian relationship is, that definition has been shattered to pieces and it's been reconstituted and it's been shattered again and reconstituted. And that's really what, you know, this journey is for all of us, whether we want to admit it or not, that definition is morphing, it's changing. And I'd love to hear from both of you, starting with you, Chris, like starting with that ad, starting with what you felt when you saw that image in terms of what the ideal relationship for you could be like, what kind of iterations have you gone through since then? And what, is it,
2: what does that definition look like now for you? Well, <clears throat> I think the biggest thing that I saw in that photograph that I felt was lacking in my experience was just a sense of, of comfort and ease. I think the way that like, Joe is like laughing in the photo and like, leaning back on you um, was something that I just didn't imagine being feasible in the relationship that I was in at that time. Um, Things had gotten really toxic um, and we were very codependent. And that was a concept uh, that I really didn't understand. And it came from, you know, 20, 22 years of trying to package myself up into the kind of person that I thought my partner wanted um, as opposed to being willing to be more curious and to be more introspective and understanding and compassionate with myself to be like well who am i and what am i in the world and what am i really great at and how do i show up for people and how do i show up for myself it was kind of like how do i create the most lovable version of a person by suppressing mm-hmm. parts of myself that didn't fit and i think the the reason why that relationship got to be so toxic was because we came into it with a I think a hope and an idea and an aspiration that we'd finally found someone that could see us as we truly were as, as we were just gaining the ability to see ourselves truthfully. And I think each of us had a lot more work to still do that actually, actually needed to happen separate and outside of that relationship. So, so much of it for me, I think in the course of that period from when I started working with Joe was the moment that I started to take responsibility for myself and how I felt and how I felt in my body. And at the time, I mean, like, I'm like an alcoholic enthusiast, but I was probably abusing it more than I was enjoying it. And I needed help to work through that and work through the feelings that I was trying to repress and suppress in my everyday experience. So part of it was coming to the cog, like consciousness of well, what's going wrong in my life and what's happening and how am I being dishonest or like out of truth and out of integrity in this relationship, which is causing me to be out of integrity with myself. And then what do I need to do to get back into integrity such that then I can actually come from a foundation of strength and inner knowledge and comfort and ease within myself to then create or possibly create relationships with other people. Um, And that meant needing to get out of that relationship. That meant getting out of the business that uh, we had co-founded together. That meant giving up all the investment that went along with that that meant moving out of the house that meant breaking up a family where there were two kids involved. Um, it was, it was ugly. It was, it was, it was like losing my community and my group of friends. So I really had to completely start over and reconstitute myself. Um, but it was driving towards that feeling where I just felt so bad in myself for so long, um, by putting other people's needs first, first, um, that I just, I couldn't sustain that anymore. It was, it was like literally like killing me. And so, you know, Joe helped, I think through that process. And so ultimately when she and I got together uh, and we, you know, and I did act in a way that was still out of alignment with myself, it was totally, uh, it was basically binding on myself that we were going to bring John into our process and our conversation and our interaction, uh, like as soon as possible. Uh, That was, that was my intention and my, my, my goal. I was like, once, once I realized that there was some connection, some romantic connection between her and I, I was like, well, I can't, I will not do this. Uh, like as an affair, uh, he has to know. And that was, it's, it's funny. I mean, that's actually kind of how this happened was I wrote Joe a letter basically stating this and saying, you know, very clearly, which was different than I would have done in the past. In the past I would have like maybe got along with it, whatever, like they don't need to know or like something, I don't know. Uh, but that, that was something I wasn't willing to do this time. And so when he, when John found that letter, uh, at first, I mean, not to totally speak for you, but I know like the first reaction was what the fuck, who is this guy? Mm -hmm. You know, this is bullshit. Uh, Mm -hmm. and then I think maybe on a second or third read at some other point, Mm -hmm. you know, there was like the other part of it, which is like, Oh, actually this isn't just kind of like this illicit, like love affair. Like there's a broader context. Um, And then the question was, well, how do we align these things and actually make
3: that happen? And when I found the letter, this was already after she had already expressed to me that she didn't believe in monogamy and that she was already talking to, to Chris. Um, And it was just funny because I took that letter and then I ended up writing him like a four-page letter. <laughs> and then he ended up writing me back a letter. And I we're like, okay, we need to stop writing letters because they're just gonna get longer and longer every time we write one. Wow.
2: Well it, I mean, I think actually it's it's worth pointing this out that in, in writing these letters to each other, mm-hmm. there was an opportunity for us to maybe hear each other uh, without all the emotion getting in the way, where each of us had a moment to like take the floor and communicate what we needed to communicate about what was going on without sort of being in a conversation where you're anticipating and then trying to think of the next thing you're going to mm-hmm. say. So it was actually, I think a very useful, although again, like in so many of these things, like was not anticipated. I don't, I don't, I don't even think I've written Joanna letter that long. <laughs> <laughs> this is, yeah. So. You,
0: wow. Um, I, I really want to thank you both for sharing that because I'm hearing something that is so Um, so apparent in how the three of you carry yourselves. And Chris, when I met you for the first time at one of my workshops, something that stood out to me about you was how consciously you communicated, how intentionally you chose to show up in your life around communication. And you had even shared a communication tool at the workshop that I took with me and put in my back pocket and shared with others. Um, Something that I know, John, you and Joe talk about all the time is, that you're willing to roll up your sleeves and have the messy conversations. And I think that's even in your bio line for your Hella Married podcast, Mm -hmm. that there's a willingness to have these conversations. You You don't exactly know how it's going to turn out. So for those that are listening, I imagine that people have been through all sorts of variations of communication, issues, struggles, challenges, misunderstandings, From where you started to where you are now, or from even earlier parts in your life to where you are now, what are some of the communication tools or some of the mindsets that you all put on um, and really own as even beliefs when you go into a messy conversation or something that feels really uncomfortable?
3: Well, you can start.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I was going to actually invite you to talk about... um, The way in which you guys, or like the way in which Joe provides, I guess, a consensual ask or request.
3: Mm, mm Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I think so. Go on. Well,
2: I think you guys have actually had this experience more than she and I have had it, but where it's like, hey, like, you know, I'm approaching you as a friend or uh, essentially like, it feels like there are some different ways that you guys have approached these conversations where it's about showing up without your arms like I mean like weapons you know like it's okay. not like I'm coming at you I'm trying to have a conversation with you from this vantage point and I think because you guys have been together for so long uh-huh. you can at least as I understand it you can swap like switch into a sort of friend mode mm-hmm. and listen to her oh, as yeah. though she's just like a person in totally. the world as totally. opposed to this person is saying something that's like deeply personal to me that is causing me to increase in my like irritation or oh, frustration that was or... this morning.
3: Okay. So, yeah, yeah. So I mean, I mean, you know, I've been together for 18 years. So there's like a lot of history between us, you know, obviously like sometimes it's much tougher to like get into that. I'm coming to you just as a friend. But I mean, that is like one tool that is like really helped us. Um, because I mean when you're in a relationship for that long with someone, it's like we're best friends, like we're best fucking friends. And when, when, When you can start a conversation off like that, for me, I'm more open to it versus hearing something from my partner or like my wife. Um, Right. Like,
2: is this your wife making the request or is this a friend that's asking for some feedback or some guidance? Or it's like, I saw you behave
3: in this way and
2: it felt like, or I think it's this, but I don't know if that's actually the case. And sometimes
3: with Joanne, I'll even like express to her, you know, like I'm literally... I want to have this conversation. I'm pulling myself out of my shoes and I'm just like, these are like my observations and I'm coming to you as a friend. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. There's also, I think,
1: John, like in zooming into that for a second, uh, if you were to deconstruct how you step out of yourself and receive what she's saying without taking it personally, and maybe you haven't thought about this ever this way before, but if you were to do that right now, can you recall any sort of steps or sequences that you can share that might help someone, you know, receive something that maybe feels really challenging in a less personal way and allow them to step outside themselves in the way you've done? Mm,
3: Yeah. You know, I think about Joanna and I were having a conversation and what she said was actually really helpful. She said, to me like how would like your your older Mm -hmm. like woke version of yourself respond to like a situation Mm -hmm. versus like how Mm -hmm. that like Mm -hmm. childlike Mm -hmm. teenager might react Mm -hmm. so sometimes even in those situations when I'm feeling like a certain way I like think to myself well what would like old wise Jonathan do (laughs) like would he react would he like slow down would he like take the feedback and uh and be open to the feedback. And it's interesting because as I'm saying to this to you guys now, I'm like, oh, maybe I should have been like older and wise John this morning when her and I got into it. <laughs> I, I like, I've noticed like, I think, so there's a kind of role play mm. that you
2: do that you sort of like drop into these different, you know, roles or configurations of yourself to say, almost to have a conversation maybe like with yourself. Mm-hmm. I think you guys are also pretty good. And I think the three of us have gotten better about slowing each other down which is a major thing. Like there's this all three of us spin up conversations and narratives that sometimes come from a faulty location or I'm sorry, uh, foundation. So we, we make some assumption about the other's behavior. Like, Oh, I saw you do this or you said this and it hurt me in this way. And then you kind of like jump ahead three steps and then you're going down this like narrative path <clears throat> that is coming from a place of hurt. But that original piece of hurt might actually not have been intentional. And yet because of our own trauma or our own narratives or our own interpretation of things, we just build upon it. And so there's been a bunch of that where I think it's like dismantling like the fuse or like pulling the fuse out mm-hmm. before it sort of turns into a whole big thing. The other the other thing that, that we've done, I think this has been useful for you. And I think we do it with Joe sometimes too. I, there's so many, there's so many tools. It's like insane. Uh, but so, so John tends to actually take on a bunch of different characters in terms of like his reaction and response to things. Mm-hmm. I don't mean to like talk like, directly like, for you, like but like my yes. anger, yes, my anger and my sadness. Yeah. So there's sad one, like, like I, we've named them. Yes. Yeah, we, we name them specifically. It's sort of in the, uh, the IFS concept, uh, internal mm-hmm. family system so that we can actually both have a conversation like with these parts or, Um, Can kind of empathize with them and what they need and like what's going on. So like there's sometimes when like John goes into his raging Hulk
3: mode Which we call Jolk. Jolk. Yeah, he's that's that's my character where it's like a Filipino Hulk And he just like speaks in Filipino gibberish that actually doesn't make sense Um, And then there's like iron Juan, who's like stone-cold to anything and like really shut down Um, so it's like it's it's really useful being able to like identify those those different pieces not not just for me but also for like joanne and also for chris and uh, like well the, sometimes if julk is around joanne knows like okay well julk mode is on i can't don't even really don't even engage like I just can't just even engage with him right
2: now wait until bruce banner comes back yeah you know it's not worth <laughs> trying to yeah because he will just smash you like yeah. Loki. um yeah so i think like naming those parts has been really useful for us um, and then also, there's a concept that we work with called ripeness, or, or that we think of as ripeness. And that concept is really around providing feedback at a time when the person is able to receive it. Mm-hmm. And this is something that we've noticed many times. I notice it, like she's pointed out many times in me, that occasionally she'll give me some feedback about how I should improve, or how I could do things differently, or how I could like work on something, or not be late, or like whatever it is. And I'll be like, yeah, yeah, yeah like I get it. And it's sort of like phases over me sort of like in this superficial wash and then three or four other people will say it and then like the fourth person will say it to me and they'll be like oh my god that's like so right and i'll tell her and she'll be like yeah yeah, i told you that already so some of it is literally thinking about it as though you're like a fruit on the vine and there's a part where you're kind of like you know sour and you're just not ready to like be plucked and there's a part where you get past the point where it's you know too late Finding that moment when someone is actually open to transformation within themselves means that they're ready to receive the feedback. And so I think the other thing that we've learned is to really, again, go back to that question of consent. Like, are you mm-hmm. ready to hear this? Mm-hmm. Or I think maybe I need to give you a little more time. Right? You know, like right. it just it's going to feel like we're all coming at you and piling on. And that's not going to be a useful way to actually give you like a hand up. So we'll let you run around and smash things, you know, or, you know, in my case, like, you know, become moody and disconnected.
3: You're probably wondering why I'm smiling over here. And just just listening to this entire, what we're talking about, I just thinking about this morning, you know, how I was, Joanne and I got into it. And I remember telling her this morning, I'm not ready to hear this right Mm -hmm. now. And she's like, I want to talk about this right now. (laughs) Oh my God, this is the worst.
2: This is like, this pattern is so difficult for us. Like, and, but, but it's, it's gotten better.
3: It it has gotten better. And I think what's amazing is that there's like three of us to really help each other out. Whereas in like a relationship, there's only two, it's kind of like, like, well, you have so, so
2: the thing that I find happens in those cases where it's just two is that oftentimes both people want their needs to be met first. And the question then becomes, well, who goes first Mm -hmm. in letting your guard down so the other person have what they need without you anticipating your needs getting met, right? right? And so it is interesting, like having the third, like when when she comes to me sometimes and she's so frustrated and like Mm -hmm. fed up and she's like, I just want to like deal with this right now. And I'm like, maybe you just got to give him space and, you know, vent to me and I can like absorb it. Mm -hmm. And then once, you know, she's calmed down a little bit, then maybe, you know, I can have a conversation with you and then do some interpretation. And it's not to like solve their problems for them. It's to really help them see where the other is coming from. And there's been so many times where I'm like, so it's almost like saddening to see like these two friends, like, you know, in this moment where they're unable to communicate effectively, although what they really are seeking is, is a kind of connection and and acknowledgement. So
0: I I was just going to say that that's like such a fascinating dynamic that the three of you have created, because there is power in a witness, which is why in a lot of group group workshop totally. settings, they'll pair three people together so that two mm. people can interact and one, mm. pe- one person can witness.
2: Yeah. And that,
0: by nature of having that witness, those two people that are interacting not only get to be in the experience, but they get to be witnessed in the experience, which is insanely powerful. So I want to just you know, acknowledge that not only have you all created the kind of dynamic that is communicative and honest and with integrity over over time but that you the three of you are operating as really close friends as like family you're operating as family essentially and that's it's really beautiful that you have created that dynamic where there is a witness where there is someone that has context that you can count on that has your best interests in mind when some shit's going down, because that's what happens with humans. And
1: this is in the category of surprising benefits of being in a polyamorous relationship. Mm -hmm. So let's play let's play a rapid fire round, you guys ready? Yeah. So you get (laughs) one word or one sentence each. Okay. And you gotta say the first thing that comes to mind.
0: (laughs) I'm excited for this.
1: Okay. So we'll start with uh what we were talking about before. Chris biggest and most surprising benefit that you found being in a polyamorous relationship?
3: Uh v- movie trivia. Nice. <laughs> nice. John, same question. Introspection.
1: Mm. Mm. Very good compliments. <laughs> yeah. Chris, um, one really surprising thing you've discovered about yourself in this process.
2: Honestly, how much I've grown. Um, I am not the person that I was like two years ago, certainly not three years ago. Um, What's one way
1: in which you've grown like stupendous amounts.
2: I think probably being centered in myself, uh, Mm. and having that sense of security, not from relationships, but from relationship with myself.
1: Beautiful. John, one surprising thing about yourself, you've learned in this process.
3: Um, that I have like an ability to actually be emotionally aware of my own feelings and actually being able to express what those feelings are. Beautiful. Mm-hmm.
2: Chris, one thing you've let go of. Um, I'm not completely there, but I would say I'm probably at like 83%, percent um, no longer codependent. So, those moments still come up and I, I, I have a greater awareness to them and attunement to them. Um, but yeah, I think that's, that's the biggest one.
1: John, one piece of advice you'd give to someone who is considering embarking on, you know, opening up their marriage or relationship.
3: Hmm. Believe in love because love is powerful. Mm. Beautiful.
0: And for both of you, um, what is your favorite quality about all right this is going to be a multi-part question one word one quality favorite quality about yourselves each other and joe
3: who first um you first? did she ask you first I, she has both so oh. um you can go first okay so favorite quality i love about so ourselves, Self- and, then yeah. other and then Chris, and then Jenna. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, myself, I love I love being able to make people laugh. Hmm. Uh, one quality I love about Chris is how his mind works. It's just like you know, he's how he talks, and his mind's always going. And then about Joanne, I I love her her commitment. And I think I think that commitment first starts with herself, like her commitment Mm. to herself. Yeah, yeah. I think um, for myself, it's
2: probably my curiosity, which also manifests as non-judgment. And so I think I'm like pretty flexible and like just hearing from people and wanting to understand them. Um, One thing that I really appreciate and love about John is, you know, I think in in so many moments there's a lot of magnanimity in the sense that he's able to, I think, just, you know, be solid. Um, and I mean, like, the, the the sense of humor is also very helpful. Um, and then for Joe, she's so persistent. Um, and persistent in how she loves and how she shows up. Um, and even when she's, like, really struggling, you know, she somehow finds a way through.
0: Yeah, I second all of that. As someone who has had the great pleasure of getting to know her Um, she rolls her sleeves up. She's willing to have the messy conversations. And something that I I really love about her is that she doesn't, you know, she doesn't give me the impression that she has to have it all figured out. Like she is rolling with the punches and she is like always doing the best she can. And quite honestly, she shines. So, wow. Um, what a freaking phenomenal conversation this has been. I... I want to just see if anyone has any questions, go ahead and post them now. And while they're doing that, you guys, um, where can people find you? How can they connect with you? How can they learn more if they want to share with us all the ways?
3: Go ahead. I think the easiest way to connect with me is um, on our Instagram handle is at Married, or on our website, hellamarried.wtf. <laughs> I think you have a podcast means you
2: do this all the time. So. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, what about your personal handle? Lungani Suburbs. At
3: Lungani Suburbs. On Instagram. On Instagram. Yeah, He's if you want to see some amazing photo- uh, photos. Thank you. Yes. Or at Encarnacion Photography. There's mm-hmm. just so many handles. <laughs> Lots of handles. <laughs>
2: um, I'm available at Chris I'm at Chris on Instagram, at Chris Messina on Twitter.
0: Amazing.
1: Beautiful. Guys, this has been an absolute pleasure. Mm, totally
2: thank you so much for holding space for us
0: we thank you so much like it's been just beautiful to to watch your journey you know the bits that i've gotten to see and um i just really want to acknowledge you all because i i remember talking to joe about when she was about to share this publicly for the first time and just some of the stuff that you all were kind of experiencing as a family Mm -hmm. and You all, I have no doubt you've had many moments of ups and downs with that whole process and sharing with your family, with the public, especially as influencers and leaders. Um, But from what I can see, you all have handled it beautifully. And the conversation that you all have been continuing in the online space, and I'm sure behind closed doors, is one that is of benefit to everyone. So thank you for sharing yourselves and being so authentic. And loving in the best way you know how
2: well thank you and also lee thanks to you for all your support um, and for what you've done for her Mm. i mean it's been very uh impactful as well Mm.
0: my pleasure all right everyone until next time much love and good vibes and we'll see you soon thank you so much for tuning in to today's episode
1: if you made it this far, it probably means that you enjoyed listening, learned a lot, and are one step closer to deeper intimacy.
0: To help couples like you discover this show and transform their lives, please consider leaving a five-star review and hitting subscribe. You can also find us on Instagram at untamed underscore intimacy. We'd love to hear from you there.
1: If you want to be the first to gain access to exclusive content, practices, and tools to create untamed intimacy in your life, Join our mailing list by clicking the link in the show notes. You'll receive powerfully curated content that's no bullshit and pure love.
0: And if you want to learn more about creating Untamed Intimacy in your life, then visit us at untamedintimacy.com. We see you and we appreciate you. Until next time, much love and good vibes.